Welcome to Kicking It Local, the podcast all about the football community in South Australia. I'm your host, Johnny Kekko, and today I'm kicking it comfortably. All thanks to Macron, Sports Hub, Adelaide, providing clubs and sports podcasters with their teamwear needs. MacronStoreAdelaide.com.au to get your gear today. And today I am joined by the Junior Girls Technical Director at Fulham United, Kevin Holohan. Thank you for joining me, Kevin. Great to be here, Johnny. It's uh, it's great to, to be able to chat with you. You've got a, a long history playing, uh, well, coaching and um, being in, involved in women's and junior football for over 25 years. Yeah. It's a, it's a long time being involved in the game. What's that passion um, like for you to, to be involved in um, in the game for such a long time? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as a kid growing up, I, I just loved playing. So, um, you know, I grew up in a country town um, outside of Bunbury in country Western Australia. So... Um, not too many people played soccer, so yeah. but in a country town you play AFL on Saturday and soccer on a Sunday. So um, me and my cousins would play both, um, and uh, yeah, from from an early age, really loved it. So it wasn't particularly great, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I've always had a passion for it. And then in terms of juniors, for me, um, a, a friend of mine in Sydney asked me to coach uh, his son yep. team, uh, which was a, a group of under fourteen boys. And um, was at Leichhardt, and at that stage they had six girls playing in that team of fifteen players. And it's actually the where I got, I think you know, the real passion for coaching girls and and getting involved in junior girls, because the girls wanted to learn. You know, they really mm. wanted to be as good as they could be. And so, um, yeah, it was you know really really fun season. Um, my friend's son was you know was great, but. Um, yeah, the girls in that group were fantastic. So uh, a lot of fun. And then, then obviously, I've moved moved here from Sydney, and that's kind of how I've kept it going. So, so how did that move come to to moving to Sydney? How did that come about? Um, from Sydney, sorry. Yeah, from Sydney, the Adelaide. My wife's from Adelaide, so um, grew up in the Adelaide Hills uh, in Stirling, and um, we're both studying physio at yep. Sydney Uni. Uh, we did first year there, and then we transferred to Uni SA uh, mainly because. A, because the course was better, but B, because my wife wanted to be close to the family. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was that was the main reason. And then from there, obviously, there's clubs at Adelaide um, University and Adelaide Uni. Um, so did you move into those clubs to play? Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I got, um, I, I mean, at that stage, I was 30. So <laughs> in terms of, like, serious playing level, it was over <laughs> for me. But um, they... I actually went the, to the sports association at UniSA and they said, oh, yeah, we run a soccer team. And I rode my bike all the way up to McGill um, to go to a training. Um, then had to ride all the way back to Henley Beach South. And, uh, Jeez. I, yeah, that, that only happened once. So, <laughs> But a friend of mine, Mark Maguire, had played here in Adelaide and he'd played at Adelaide Uni and he you know, spoke really highly of them. So I got in contact um, with the two guys who were in, in charge at the time, uh, Dr. Bill Hill, who's still involved um, mm-hmm. with Adelaide Uni Whites. And um, Alex Reed, so uh, who's involved with the Amateur Blacks. So, so yeah, I've, I'm still involved yep. with uh, the Amateur Blacks as the physio. I stopped playing two years ago when I got the 50. So um, it's been a yeah, a lot of playing. Yep, but now you're just uh, on the in the background now. It's one of the staff doing the uh, the physio, which is a cool uh, job to do. There's a lot of people that play. Um, football and they're studying physio, physio. like yes. there's a lot of NPL and WNPL players yep. and they're getting their way through volunteering at clubs um, when they're not playing. So what's it like for you to be involved in that area of um, of sport with the physio side of things? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I love it. I mean, I've had ha- had lots of great opportunities. A lot of them come around um, being here in Adelaide. When I first moved here, I applied for... Um, trainers jobs and masseuse jobs at both uh, the Crows and Port Adelaide. Yeah. And I got a job at Port Adelaide. So um, that was excellent to be able to, you know, see what the physios were Mm. doing and and to be at that kind of elite level. So um, what was the level? What was it like being involved at Port Adelaide? Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, It's probably there during their best years (laughs) and maybe their worst year. But um, so I was there from 2001 to 2008. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, the, one of the doctors, one of the physios is still involved there. Yep. 
from that time. So they've been there 20 plus years or whatever. So they, it's obviously, um, as a West Australian, um, you hear a lot about certain clubs yep. and, um, you know, Port, Port, one of those clubs. So I was really excited to, to mm. be able to work there. Um, so all through my undergraduate degree, I was there. I did one of my placements there as well. Yep. Um, but yeah, I loved it. It was really, really good. In a, um, a professional setup like Port Adelaide in the AFL, that would probably be one of the, the elite levels like with um, all leagues in Australia. AFL was pretty high with their standards. Yep. What would it be? Uh, what was it like and what was your role uh, consist of? Um, well, yeah, I, I was, as, as I said, when I started, I was a trainer masseur. So my, I, I'd done the massage course and yep. a bunch of cupping courses and dry needling and a bunch of stuff like that just to kind of build my skills up. So I was a level level um, two sports trainer. So, um, so yeah, I'd just do the game day and training during the week and there was a massage day. Yep. And I just had to work that in with my undergraduate degree, which was, <laughs> um, which was challenging. But I actually was lucky enough to get credits for a, a number of things because I'd done two previous degrees. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so 2001 to four um, were amazing. So obviously the team was very mm. successful. Um, so yeah, I'd do three, maybe four days there, short, short periods. Yep. And then um, after that first year, 2001, 2002, um, I was then traveling with the team as well yep. sometimes. So um, I did, yeah, a bunch of interstate games um, each year, So which was amazing. And being from WA, I did yeah. both WA games one year, which was just awesome. You know, because it's like a free trip back home <coughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to catch up with family, and um, but also you know work at the game and stuff. So that's cool. And what you were there for the grand final? Yes. What yeah. was the experience like being involved in a club like that? Yeah, in the grand was, final. Was that, that was a, a memorable day. Oh yeah. I mean, I get oh, <laughs> just got tingles <laughs> thinking about two thousand four. Um, yeah, and it was a bit unsure initially because um, I think there'd been an agreement. Um, the guy, the guy who was the head head trainer, Dave had made an agreement with the Melbourne crew because they had a Melbourne crew yep. who would do all the Melbourne games because obviously that's the second most number of games that they yep. would do each year. So, yeah, I didn't go over to Melbourne very often. So I'd often do Sydney. I did a couple of Brisbane trips, Gold Coast, um, and, yeah, all the all the WA games. So, yep. um, yeah, so Melbourne Melbourne had been, it had been ticked off, okay, if we get to a grand final because I think they talked about it in 2001 because they'd – you know, finish top. Um, if we get to a grand final, then the Melbourne crew will do it. Yep. So, um, and and Dave was like, oh, do I do I go back on that? And then, you know, he, he ended up getting four of us to, to come across. So, um, and then everybody else, like, organized their own flights in the club yep. and put them up, um, which I think was probably through the AFL anyway. We all stay at the same hotel. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and, and organized their flight. So, we all went over. <coughs> Um, incredible day, obviously, you know, it was a really tight game up until, you know, midway through the third quarter and then, uh, obviously Choppy opened it up and Gavin Wanganin, you know, played amazing Toby Thurston's as well. So, um, yeah, for me, the, the highlight I think was Chappie running out. Yeah. Like all of us were behind the gate and like, we're like, do we all run out? <laughs> and it was kind of like, oh, will we get in trouble? You know, and we had our tags on and stuff because yeah. Yeah, uh, the specific ground tag to be able to go through mm. different areas. Um, but yeah, Chappie ran out and <laughs> the rest of us like, oh, do we stay, do we go? But um, yeah, all the players had come across and yeah, it's just an awesome experience. Yeah. Best best probably 24 hours of my life almost, I would say. It's like yeah. top three. Ah, maybe cool. after, you know, your wedding night and yep. may, maybe one or two other things. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, pretty amazing 24 hours. I mean, no one slept. We, you know, that... One of the bigger highlights was coming back, um, you know, and they had the fire brigade do the the turrets over yeah. the plane, and then you know we came out and we no one had to go through um, security or yeah. um, baggage checking. Every we just got onto a, a bus straight back to Elberton, yep. and all our gear came in another bus later, <laughs> um, and then we're at Elberton. Elberton was packed, and all the players obviously presented and stuff. Um, so yeah, it was yeah pretty amazing. That's amazing, cool. Amazing time. Who would have thought doing uh, gone doing uni and getting a degree in physio and it would have led you to something like that and um, yeah, yeah. being involved in uh, a great moment? Oh, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, you, you flip that over to like 
couple of years later, 2007, yeah. and, and they, they lost badly against Geelong. But um, that was still like leading up to it. It was all, all the same. Very, yep. very amazing. Different feel on the day. It's an interesting um, dynamic change. And I think because of a couple of injuries, um, we'd, the, the team had beaten Geelong at Geelong by a point. Mm. Dom Cassisi kicked a goal on his opposite foot um, to, to win that game. It was like round 21 or something. So um, so there's a lot of confidence in the group. But, yeah, one or two players in particular, um, yeah, uh, Wilbur was out. So yeah. And that, I think that was the difference. I mean, they had their chances in the first quarter, but that's life, isn't it? So well, during that period, yeah, there were, yeah, we don't want to talk about that one too much. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of uh, football fans, but talking about the uh, the experience you had there, though, during that period, were you you were coaching juniors at that period or not? Or playing at that at that um, time? Yeah, so two, so I started at, at uni in two thousand one. So two thousand one to two thousand four, I was playing and coaching collegiately. Yep. So for the uni blacks, and um, yeah, there's lots of ups and downs there yeah. as well bunch of great guys some really amazing people some some of the most incredible people i've met yeah um and such a diverse bunch of people yeah so yeah like, well because uh, with my experience i do this podcast i've been involved in professional settings of uh of broadcasting so mm. and that, i learned a lot from that area as well and i still do to this day but for you being able to now you're coaching juniors and the technical director of that um did working within a professional uh, organisation like Port Adelaide Football Club and being involved in those big moments of uh, grand finals, did that? Did you soak that in and help, that help you to what you, yeah, what you do absolutely. today and the way you tackle things? Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I think I think the, depending on the type of person you are, I, I mean, I'm, I'm someone who uh, really analyses things. Yep. Um, I, I read a lot. Uh, you know, I love to read, so I'm always reading. I usually have three or four books on the go. Um but, you know, autobiographies and team dynamic stuff and psychology are areas that I really have a lot of uh, interest in. Um, yeah, and during that time, there, there are some amazing people come through the club, you know, who all gave something to, to building that club. And, and you look now at where some of those people are. I mean, Josh Carr was a player, mm. um, but, you know, really amazing uh, analyst. You know, and no surprise that you know he's doing a, doing a good job, and he's done a good job at SANFL level and mm. obviously AFL level. Um, you know, Jared Schofield was another one. Um, yeah, there there were quite a few. You know, re- really switched on. Um, yep. You know, really interesting people. I mean, Phil Walsh was one of the people that I really enjoyed chatting to. Mm. Um, and obviously, Darren Burgess was there during that time. Um, so, not surprised that he's doing a you know great job at the Crows. Yep. Um, so yeah, you know, a lot of really amazing people, a lot of really amazing opportunities. Um, you know, as the masseur off, often actually, it was quite interesting. Some of the conversations you'd have with players, yep. um, and getting to know people and, and the things that they were learning. Yep. Um, so yeah, some interesting times with Mark Williams and, um, through that, um, you know, built a, you know, really good, uh, relationship with a number of other people, but, um, yeah, so lots of links, yep. lots of links, and and lots of things that you take on and you go, you know, how can I use that in a non-professional or you know community yep. club mm. environment? And I think the culture and the 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 base that you build is really important. So yep. um, probably the biggest thing from from all of that that took away is is making sure that um, you set a good example yourself. So you know, have a real focus on servant. Leadership. Yep. So, yeah, I'm in some sense, I'm like the leader yep. as the TD, but, um, yeah, I'm also there to serve and try and help everyone as yep. much as I can. And I think that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed and, and seen, mm. you know, um, pro- produce really good results. We see in local clubs, in soccer and football, any sport, there's some clubs have a really, you can tell when clubs are doing really, really well, there's a great culture about it mm. and great atmosphere. With, but then the year later, sometimes a few players leave, it's all different. From trying to compare with what happens in the local league, but also what you experience in the AFL, what were some of the things you noticed with the, the year that they did well and the year they didn't do well in the grand final between 2004-2007? Um, there anything that... Like, yeah, there are a couple of things. Yeah. Um, 2000, 2004, obviously, 
really strong group of senior players. Mm. Um, not so many younger up and coming players. Um, so a lot of people kind of rolling the dice, you know, towards the end of their career. Um, you know, and you think about players who missed out, like Matt Prime, Matty Primus missed out, but um, you know, he was still leading the group. Um, there's still a lot of you know him involved yep. in pushing that group to 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 get there. Um, but yeah, an amazing, amazing, amazing group, right? So you you then you win a grand final as a bit of a hangover. A number of players, you know, then go, oh, well, I've kind of made it to the pinnacle, and you know, yep. kind of slide away or. Um, you know, quite a few obviously retired either, you know, within that short period of time after that. Um, and then they had, a, had enough strength, I think, to rebuild um, to get back and be competitive. Yep. Um, and then, you know, obviously bring a lot of good young players through. I mean, you think Travis Boak and Robbie Gray mm. were, and, you know, were two of the main, Brett Ebert was another one, you know, guys who are coming through who may may have missed out on that 2014 or were selected yep. you know the next year or two mm. after that um yeah a lot of really really good young players came through that they drafted really well um and coming to a culture where they've been successful yep and i think that's why they did well going into 2007 i think that some of the undercurrents of um the support that the group had perhaps wasn't there compared to 2004 um you know so, yeah, for me, for me, the big difference was the the experience. Yes, so. and that's where it kind of maybe turned in the grand final. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when I look back on it, I go the first quarter they mm. they had their chances. Like you know, I know they kicked they, they kicked four or five points mm. that should have been goals. Had they been goals, you know, they they would have been leading. Would have been a different kind of feel. Yep. And I think, um, yeah, they got kind of run over in the second half of the. Second quarter, and then it was kind of all over. Yeah, halftime was some of the worst, worst yeah. conversations I'd heard in my life. So, well, you probably won't be able to talk about that. No, I, can't. <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I you mean, shouldn't. yeah, but you know, um, and I think yeah, that's the challenge, isn't it? It's the challenge of you got to make the most of your opportunities. Yeah. Um, and and for soccer, I think that's even more so than AFL. Perhaps in my experience, is you know, there have been many times when. We've had teams, you know, whether it be a cup final or whatever, yep. you know, absolutely dominate, have lots of shots on goal but not score. Um, and then the opposition scores yep. on a quick transition, you know, and, and then you drop your heads and mm. it can all go down very quickly. So you reckon with um, you're involved very heavily in uh, women's football, so you yes. know a lot about it. Um, do you reckon with the, the – we have a lot of A-League women's players in our WNPL, which we're very lucky to, to have those experienced players come back – um, after they finish their time in the A-League women's season. Do you reckon it's a similar thing to what Port Adelaide had? They had an experience level at the top um, and then it helped build those teams. Do you reckon having something like that in WNPL, a little bit different scenario, but you've mm. got those experienced uh, professional players playing in the uh, in the local setup. Do you reckon that's good for some clubs? Because I know some clubs don't have that and uh, choose not to have that. Yeah, I think, um, I think it depends on the person, obviously. So, you know, there have been a lot of good players recently I think who've made a big difference to the clubs that they're they're mm. involved in um you know and you think about Salisbury Inter's successful seasons you know they had you know a good really strong core group yep. of those kind of senior former W League players or current W League players um you know or players who should be W League players I mean I think of Nicole Calder mm. for example um who I think is uh highly underrated uh as a player um yeah, I'm surprised no W League teams picked her up, for example. Yeah. You know, so it's an interesting one. I did the state um, physio for the state team under-17s um, and just about all of those women from that, that group who went away and um, they finished top of their group. They lost the semi and they lost the final 1-0 um, in both games. It was a team that that really could have won won the mm. national title. Um and um, Tracy Jenkins and Sharon Black were the coaches, so both former Matildas. Um, I think Wendy Carter was the team manager. So, but you know you, that that group, you know, all all, all of them were amazing players. And it, it, Ebony was in that team. Who's at uh, obviously Metro. Yep. Um, Rachel Quigley was the Golden Boot winner, and Sam Kerr was playing for WA that year. They actually went on to win it. Um, yep. We beat. SA beat WA 
in the um, pool games. So we got the easier draw, but we lost one nil, and they went on to win win the title. Mm. Um, so yeah, but all all of the players from that 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 group uh, either went on to play W League or played at a good level at WNPL level. So um, great team yeah. to be involved in. You were the it was. physio. I was the physio. Yeah. yeah. So probably one of the best teams I've been involved in as well. So yep. in terms of not just results, but the the camaraderie of the group and and the level of um, yeah, the level mm. of skill. Who would have thought that? Would you have thought when you watched Team Kerr play against the, the South Australian girls that uh, you'd see her win the FA Cup again? <laughs> Only just a couple of days ago? Um, yeah, she's uh, she's she's a one-in-a-lifetime yeah. kind of athlete. You know, mm. I think she that was only her second season of playing soccer as well. So Incredible. she was she was 14 turning 15, playing under-17s yep. for the state team. And, yeah, it was obvious that she, she was going to be something special. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, at that point, you know, there wasn't a lot of like, you know, professional contracts or, Mm. you know, playing overseas or, um, yeah. So that was pretty incredible. The, uh, yeah, it was, it's great to see the the involvement you've had in with physio, but Mm. talking about this lead into the, uh, your time as technical director and building up youth, what we spoke earlier about your reasoning of how it all started with looking after, uh, with the kids and all that and yep. um, development. But what made you want to focus on that now as well, um, building up kids especially and creating the uh, junior setup at uh, um, LA University? Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I've been, been lucky to be in a little bit, be in the right place at the right time. Um, yeah, uni was an interesting one because I'd, I'd come, got involved with the board maybe 2003 and then there was all those discussions about um, the women's team at that point. There was just the one senior women's team at uni. Um, and at that time there was, you know, kind of the the Division One, Division Two, mm. which is now WNPL and State yep. League. Um, and the uni team was in the State League and, you know, they'd, they'd win that, go up to the Division One, and then finish bottom or second bottom and get relegated again. So, and, and I, th- I think that might've happened five or six years in a row. Yep. Um, and, you know, uh, Saucer at the time, South Australian Women's Soccer Association decided that, you know, they needed to, to instigate something to get junior girls um, at all the clubs. And so a lot of those clubs, not very few clubs had juniors, for example, at that point. So, yeah, so uni, uni started the junior team 2004. Um, and uh, the youngest age group they had was under 13s. Wow. And all the girls that we had in that first year's junior team, most of them were nine or 10. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a tough year So for that first year. But it, it, it was interesting because then the next year they brought in under 11s. Yep. And so just about all those girls could play under 11. So that first year at uni... Um, and you had girls like Ellie Bills, you know, who's gone 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 on to play WNPL mm. and play W League. Um, Emmy Sulio, um, Sophie Kitt, there, there, um, Gabby Bentley, um, who's played W League. Obviously, went over to the states on a scholarship to yeah. Old Dominion. Um, so there's some really good girls in that group, you know, playing under 13s as nine and ten year olds, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, one of the things that always stands out to me about that group was that the first game they played, I can't remember which team it was, but they lost 21-0. Wow. And when they played them the third time at the end of the season, it was the last game of the season, they lost 1-0. Yep. And so in that 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 period of time, they improved out of sight. Um, you know, and some of it's structural and, yep. um, you know, and, and there's good coaching. And so, but then next year, because they... They obviously started an under-11s competition. They went in under-11s and they'd been used to playing against bigger girls and playing at a faster pace and they, they didn't lose a game. They went went undefeated. Wow. So they, from one year where yeah. they didn't win a game to the next year winning every game. Yep. Um, and I think nine girls made the state, the SA State under-12s team yep. um, from that one group, you reckon, pretty yeah, impressive. Do you reckon that unique situation helped them oh, progress absolutely. a little bit quicker? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's certainly something that I've taken on board in, in regards to our development or in, in regards to how I um, focus on development at a club. So at Fulham, for example, um, you know, even in this current 
situation. The last couple of years in the under-13s, for example, mm. we've had girls that are 9 or 10 or 11. But, you know, playing with some older girls yeah. to get that experience. Last year there were five girls playing under-11s who would also play 13s. So they're getting that extra game time, maybe not as much many minutes, but playing at a higher level. Yep. Um, and those girls have all, you know, improved, I think, because of that. Um, yeah, so there's structure around the coaching and development and the the skill set that we're trying to teach, but also giving them opportunity to play at a higher level. Yeah. You know, and again, last year's under-13s group, you know, there were, there were probably four girls who played up regularly for the 15s. And didn't struggle, you know, skills-wise, technically, were good enough, um, you know, and, and many of them over over the period that I've been involved at Fulham have gone on to the NTC full-time program. So there's probably half a dozen. So the, um, the under-13 team that was in the 2021 Cup, we won the Cup against uni. Mm. <laughs> um, ironic as it is, um, still involved at uni. Um you know, that group of 16, I think at the end of this year, there'll be half of them will be in the full-time program. So, which, you know, I think is a good representation mm. of the focus on the development and the skill set that we've tried to implement. What do you think with uh, men's football is obviously a lot further ahead yes. with, than women's football? What do you think the missing link is to get there? Or do you reckon uh, women's football is on the on the way forward yeah, I mean, there's two two big factors. I mean, the the, the biggest one is numbers. Mm. So, um, you know, the more people you have playing, the 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 bigger the pool, the more likely it is that to be, yeah. you know, um, those kind of you know Sam Kerr once in a generation type players. Um, there's certainly a better technical focus now, and I think there are more coaches coaching at that level, you know, who aren't parents or even who are parents, but you know that are that are really focused on trying to help them to understand the game and play the game yep. in a in a in a you know good technical way. So where I think in the past, you know, a lot of teams would just be like, okay, um, we put our strongest players at the back, boot it forward to our quickest player and let's hope we can score some goals. So um, you know, a lot a lot a lot of teams are now, you know, really playing good football, you know, yep. really good passing, um, you know, I won't say tick attacker, but you know, there's definitely a focus on, you know, ball control and, and maintaining possession, which I think has changed a lot. That's the first one, the you know, the numbers. But, um, you know, the second one from, a, you know, from a um, national or state level is that the programs have improved. Mm. I think the, the, the level of coaching, the people involved has improved. So, and when that improves, obviously, you would hope that that then filters down. So. Is that like the NTC you're talking yeah, about? Yep. Yeah, yeah, across the board. Yeah, if you look at the NTC as well, the connection now with Adelaide United with the um, Michele Lastella, who mm. is the head coach for the NTC program, also the assistant coach for Adelaide United, having that link, is that you reckon that's great now the way it's Oh, I think that's made up? a big difference. And, um, you know, the fact that that program, there, there are parts of me from a club perspective that doesn't like the N NTC set up playing at WNPL level, for example, because I think... You know they're they're benefiting from all the club's best players going to play for them. You know that's that's one way to look at it, right? So from a club perspective, I go, oh, I don't really like it. There was a year at uni where where we had maybe eight players go off to NTC mm -hmm. for one year, and they NTC did did well, made finals, and we just missed out. And we're like, oh, if we had all our players, then you know. But that's that's one way to look at it, right? On on the flip side, and I think this is the way I look at it now because I'm not really involved that. WNPL level, yeah. Uh, you know, my focus is really just on the juniors. Is that, yeah, you know, that's that's a much better setup in terms of their level of professionalism and the, the setup um, in terms of the coaching level and um, you know that they're playing at that younger level for the girls. They're playing against boys. Like I know the under sixteen girls played against Fulham's under fourteen boys mm. in the cup recently. So, you know, that's better for them in terms of their development. So that. You know, that speeds yep. their improvement, which hopefully then speeds their opportunity to play at, you know, WNPL level or W League level or yep. overseas or internationally. Do you reckon without them, the gap between WNPL and uh, A-League women, um, do you reckon it will be a lot closer with them now? Then yeah, certainly, yeah, less less of a step up, I yep. think. So, the, you know, and then... You come back to a club perspective again, you know, and this might be a little bit controversial. I think the thing that the men's game has 
is the finances. Mm. So, um, and the women's game doesn't, you know, and the only way I think to see that change is obviously from a national level or state level, more money's put in, mm. um, when that's from sponsors, et cetera, or there's, uh, you know, a, a fee, you know, you pay, pay a fee for, you know, players. Yep. Um, you know, some clubs, uh, I, I saw Melbourne city sold off, uh, one of their players to, um, overseas, you know, to Belgium, whatever, yeah. you know, 2 million bucks. Um, you know, how much goes back to, you know, that junior team yeah. that, that, you know, did the initial. Mm. Hard I yards. think there is, I've, well, from, there's been talks, I think of stuff yeah. hopefully happening, which is hopefully will be, uh, benefiting the local clubs. Cause it does look at someone like, uh, Irukunda who comes from the local clubs. And yeah. Now Raiders. Playing. Yeah. From the Raiders. What, what will they get? <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully that does benefit. You always ask the question. <laughs> Everyone does. But with the women's game as well, there's the women's world cup, which seems to be producing a bit more grants for clubs, um, mm. or for the, the state in general, which yep. is, uh, which has been, uh, I think it's been the benefit for the club. Have you seen an improvement in, uh, in your club at Fulham with the, the numbers of people wanting to play now with the women's world cup around the corner? Um, yeah, I, it's an interesting one because this is my fourth season there. So when when I first started, it was kind of a little bit in crisis and yep. needed a lot of work. And um, and then obviously we had COVID, so you know there's a little bit of that that's affected things. Um, but one of the things that that I think has been a standout for us has been player retention. So we're we're almost ninety percent every year. So I think last year we we're eighty nine percent. Yeah, you know players returned. Um, makes it much easier than to build teams because you know you keep players together for a period of time. Yep. And that I think in itself helps bring success. So um, the first year we didn't, you know, in terms of titles or cups or whatever, didn't win anything. But then the next year we won the cup, and then the following year we won a league, and then you know the next year we win another league. Mm. Um, you know, and this year you know we'd hope to to maybe win a cup and a league, or maybe 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 two or three. Yep. You know. Um, and as your numbers increase and you're successful, I think that helps. Um, but the Women's World Cup, I think, is going to be massive in yeah. terms of um, the impact it's going to have. Um, I'm, I mean, I think most games are sold out. I think there are yeah. very few games that aren't sold out. I, I jumped online because I got an email because I'm, I'm I'm volunteering at the W uh, Women's World Cup. Um, really excited <laughs> about it. I've taken lots of leave <laughs> during that time. But... Um, you know, I got an email saying there were still tickets left, and I, I was like, "Really?" At Highmarsh, but the the disabled access tickets. Yep, um, yep. And because I my my first degree was a disability nurse, so I work in disabilities, and I, I still work with um, some individuals one on one. So I was like, "Oh, maybe I need to call some people and <laughs> find out if they want to go to a game, and then I can buy a ticket for them and, and another yeah. ticket for myself because you can have the yep, yeah, disability yeah, yeah. access ticket and then the carers ticket." Yep. So. Um, but I already have tickets to all the games in Adelaide. So, yep. um, yeah, I don't need any more tickets. I don't think I'm my sitting wife's going to kill me. Yeah, I'm sitting in the uh, alcohol-free zone. So just okay. so I can get a ticket. In yes. some, even yes. in the, the World Cup final, I've got alcohol-free zone. Fantastic. So I don't need a drink to watch football. No, so no, that no, works no. out perfectly. Um, yes. But, um, but no, it's but good it's going to have there. a huge impact, mm. I think. And, and, I mean, one of the things we've done um, is we've linked up with Underdale High School with their football program, yep. the Football Academy. Um, with the women's and we have, you know, maybe six to eight girls from Underdale who play with us. Oh, wow. That's good. Um, but we're doing a primary schools thing coming up at just before the world cup. Maybe it's, um, the end of June and, um, just doing a five aside yep. and, um, all, all the primary schools that come and are involved in that will, will be allocated a team. So someone will be Australia, someone will be Jamaica, someone that's will be cool. China yep. and, and they'll have the, you know, colors based on that. And we're going to do face painting <coughs> and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. Um, but, but kind of do it rugby, uh, seven style where you, you play in groups of three or four and you play everyone yep. and then the top teams play each other for the cup. And then the second teams play each other for a plate and the third teams play each other for a bowl yep. and the fourth teams play each other. I don't know what the other one is, but yeah. you know, so everybody, cool. you know, gets, gets to play lots of games and have a lot of fun and, and, um, yeah, lots of prizes and that sort of stuff. So, yep. um, but I think even the impact after, is going to be massive. You know, we're, we're already planning for trials and um, how we advertise that and how we link in with the mm. local schools. And um, yeah, it's going to be, going to be huge. I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out um, with uh, everything. Cause I think a lot of people are not prepared 
mm. or how big it's going to be. And yep. even the non-football people, the non-football media, uh, or non, well, you said non-soccer media, is yes. they'll call it soccer. So they're, they're not as uh, understanding of how big this is going to be on everything, I think, because it's, it's going to be huge. Um, it is. Especially Adelaide. Adelaide's going to light up. I'm going to have thousands of people from around the world here in Adelaide. Yep. And then the, the communities that are already here that don't have tickets, they're just going to be wanting to go out. It's going to be cool. Um, it's exciting because the league's going to stop for three weeks, which is a bit, uh, it's a great thing for the, uh, for the, the players themselves to go out and enjoy it. But yes. the one thing which we're kind of missing out on, I think is not being able to capitalize on those people being here and going to see the WNPL and NPL. But do you think that's the mm. issue? Cause I think it's great to have the, I'm, I'm pro the, the break though. I think it's a good thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I see positive and negatives for e- either, but, um, I think I think having the games, um, but planning them to be, because because most of the games that are here, I think there's a there's a Friday game, there's a Sunday game, there's a couple yep. of Tuesday games. Mm. So you know perhaps you have the weekend off where there's I think that first week there's a Friday Sunday yep. combo. You have that week off, and then you have games on the the Fridays yep. after that because then it gives those people like I said who are here, you know, a game to go to. And, you know maybe you make you know it's probably. Five dollars getting in, you make it free entry. Yeah, have more people come along. You get get the kind of the feel of the mm. World Cup. Um, a lot of local community groups that'll be following teams. Uh, I mean, obviously China's going to be based here. Yep, I mean there's cool. a significant Chinese, you know, um, population you know, yeah. in Adelaide. Um, so you'd hope they'd all get behind it. I think it will be. It's going to be huge. I can't so, wait. I'm excited to head oh, down. I'm yeah, trying to find absolutely. anything to be involved in it and uh, looking forward to getting down to as many games as possible. Yeah. The Women's World Cup is going to be huge. Um, so are you excited to uh, uh, Fulham to, to be involved in women's juniors, um, the, the girls' juniors, and what's to come with it? Are you excited that you're a part of it at this stage of the uh, – Yeah, I think I think it's worked out well in terms yeah. of timing because, yeah. you know, we now run – you know, under nines, 11s, 13s, 15s, 17s, mm. you know, obviously WMPL and reserves. Um, you know, the hope is that, you know, with the impact of the Women's World Cup, you know, we can increase the numbers, maybe under sevens team. I, I know there are a couple of clubs that run under seven. So, um, you know, the big challenge I think is is how clubs then, you know, um, not just sell it, but, you know, make, make it attractive, yep. you know, because cost is always a factor. Mm. Um, I'm... I'm anti-high fees but you know i know there's reality of what clubs need to pay um so yeah we're, we've had discussions about how we can kind of try and offload some of that or yep. how we can decrease our fees how we can get more particularly people from you know um non-english speaking backgrounds or yeah. new arrivals um we do a number of scholarships already i know adelaide united did a number of scholarships with glinda's university this year yep um, one of the girls from our club got one, uh, Isabel Trimboli in the under 17. So um, that was awesome. You know, and I think that's an in- incredible yep. um, offering from them. I think they did eight. So, you know, that's eight, eight girls who may, may not have been able to afford to play who are playing. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, if there's more of that, I think that, that'll make a big difference as well. Yep. Nice. Well, with your role at uh, Adelaide, uh, sorry, Fulham United, you're the uh, director of the junior girls football program. So what's that involve um, yep. with your, your side of things? Yeah. Big, big one is, you know, the lead into trials. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, setting up trials, um, you know, did a lot of the advertising, went to all the schools in our, our area. Mm. We did flyers, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, the setup of the, the coaching setup, you know, who, who's coaching each team, um, what we want them to focus on. So, you know, we've really gone with the FFA um, guidelines on, you know, what they wanted each each age group um, and then added some of our own stuff. And obviously one of my focuses has always been not to have parents as coaches. Yep. Um, and that's been, you know, I've had that for a long time. So as I said, at, at uni, there are very few um, parents as coaches. You know, we get players or former players, et cetera, um, senior players involved. Yeah, so it's setting that up and getting that rolling, and then yeah, yeah, getting getting it all set up. Uh, the you know I have done that kind of coach the coaches kind of thing, and you know every coach gets, um, you know some programming notes that that we've done. Um, we've often had a guest speaker come in. Yep. Um, and you know talk to us about where the program's at. Obviously, the FS FF FSA have done a bunch of programs. We always try to get along to those. Um. I pretty much get to all of them. Yep. Um, 
yeah so so yeah it's fair but the, I, th- I think one of the other things is dealing with you know parents and and with the junior committee so yep. i've got to report back to the junior committee um i always do a mid-season kind of spiel and an end of season yeah. spiel um things i'd like to see um <laughs> things that i know i probably won't see but you know it'd be great if we could work towards so you know the board at fulham has been really good um very supportive michael conselvo who's come on board and stasi and adam and a bunch of other guys who are, you know with that junior committee you know really changed the focus it's really gone to a more football based focus rather than kind of an admin yep uh, which clubs can easily get caught up in i think um you know that um damien basso had, had done a lot of work um as the previous technical director for the boys on on how f- focus as a club and that's we call it heart yep um and, and i'm sure michael i think michael spoke previously about it but um you know real focus on you know the the club as a whole you know ha- having those guiding principles um you know being being humble being yep um you know energetic being um you know having a positive attitude uh, respectful and um you know teamwork so um so yeah all of those things have been been really big as well and we've really been working on that um over the last couple of years well, you talk about not having parents coaching um, your teams. So we see some clubs have parents, which is there's some great parents that coach. But mm. does it change? Has it changed the the way that the juniors have come through and the the performance that they're showing? That you having these uh, experienced coaches or experienced well, I think players? That, yeah, I think experienced coaches makes a massive difference. I mean, we had Jill Latimer, former Matilda. Mm. Um, just trying to remember off the top of my head, I think Jill is Matilda number forty nine, maybe. Yep. Going to hope that that's right. I, I'm pretty sure it is, but um, you know, and Jill, Jill, you know, has been an amazing player, coached state teams. Um, you know, is a uh, football football mm. SA life member, um, but an amazing, amazing person. Yep. So did a great job with with a junior team last year, and you know, it's hard to get people like that involved. I mean, this year we've got Adrian Sandtrack coaching the under thirteen yeah. Reds, so. You know, former Matilda's coach. Yeah. Um, yes, his daughter plays in that that team, um, and that's you know obviously one of the reasons. But you know, he he's one of the few exceptions I would say I've <laughs> made for a parent coaching, because how how can you argue with his resume? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and and it's a situation where the my goal has been to get the best coaches possible yep. to the point where I think. Just about all the coaches are better coaches than me. Mm. So, and and I'm a very experienced junior coach, and and I've coached senior. So, yep. you know, and obviously played at a reasonable level. So, mm. you know, and that's what you want. You want you want football people to to run those programs. Well, Adrian Sandtrack is probably one of the most experienced coaches you probably have in the in the setup. Yeah. Um, oh, easy. How what's it like having someone like that with that experience of coaching Matilda, some great female footballers that we've had in our time. Um, coaching now the juniors and the next generation. Yeah, um, yeah, he's come come on board with a, a very strong group. So it's a group that's been very successful over the last couple of years. And as I said to you earlier, you know, a number of girls have gone on to the full time NTC program. So you know, girls like Kiara O'Reilly and a, a Jock um, Manning, <laughs> uh, so so um, uh, Tarasenko from last year. Um, so there's there's a whole bunch of really strong girls that have come through there, and the girls that are in that group now um, have played with those girls. Some of them are younger, yep. and and it's still a young group. Um, and they're technically, you know, learning from someone who has had groups that are playing at the highest level. Mm. Um, you know, and his understanding of football is just yeah. Oh, it's next level. I mean, I love watching your sessions. You know, sessions are amazing. You know, the, the girls are working hard, but they're learning the whole time. Very encouraging. Um, I mean, they haven't lost a game yet. Um, they play really, really good football. So, yeah. well, someone like that could easily be coaching WNPL. Um, oh yeah. So, absolutely. how's it to? I know his daughter plays for your team uh, for the under thirteens, but how do you get someone like that coaching? Um, there is he, is he just invested in wanting to? help with the junior football or is it yeah yeah and um you know i think that you know that's a really positive thing that um i mean yes his daughter's playing in the, in the team but you know he was a, he was a parent 
last year and the year before. You know, his daughter was playing with the boys and then came across last year to play with the girls and played 11s and 13s. Um, you know, and, and her improvement's been out of sight. I mean, obviously mm. her mum's also uh, uh, Sasha Wainwright is a former Matilda. Um, so the bloodline's good. Um, yep. But, yeah, she's – Mia's, you know, fantastic, you know, young player. Um, you know, and she's she's – she doesn't. I think she turns twelve this year, so she will still still play thirteens next year, probably. Yep. Um. So that's good for the group. I mean, the majority of the group are turning twelve. There's only a handful, maybe two or three. Yep. That turn thirteen this year, so you know it's a really good young group. And then there's girls coming up, obviously. Mm. You know, uh, underneath that. So, so the the girls that are being te- uh, coached by Adrian, do they understand? His uh, credit, his uh, credibility, um, and how much um, credentials he has. Uh yeah, I don't know. I don't. I mean, it's a <laughs> tough question because I think how many of them really get it. I yeah, mean, you but, know, I, I, I mean, I, I remember as a kid growing up. You know, there, there's, uh, we had a coach one year, um, who played for Scotland, right? This is in country Western Australia, mm. so you know, we're, we're all like, oh. Does that make him good? <laughs> kind of like, you know, what does it mean? Oh, I must be good, you know, if he's played for his country, you know. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much it sinks in. Um, but, you know, the, the group the group is working really hard yeah. and um, obviously enjoying it. And, yeah, I think that, you know, you can obvi- – for me, the, the big thing has been the obvious improvement. Mm. You know, the, the, I think it's been a good standard with those groups over the last couple of years, but it's gone up, you know, another couple of levels. Yeah. And you can see it. If they don't, if they don't uh, realise it now, I'm sure when they get older, 18, 20, they'll probably <laughs> sink in and go, geez, we oh, had a... We were con- coached by Adrian Santrak. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a bit, it's a massive plus. So. Yeah. Well, it's good to see. I've seen other clubs doing similar as well. We've mm. got former Matilda at um, uh, coaching within the ranks at Flinders United. You've got a former yep. Socceroo in uh, Joel. Um, Joel Porter as yep. well there. You've got other... Um, form, Tracy Jenkins, Yeah, Tracy obviously. Jenkins was my next one. Matilda's yeah. cap 71. Just yeah. throw it out there. There you go. you got the numbers so, there. Yeah, <laughs> um, and but, you need those good quality yeah. people who've played at that level. Um, I think to pass on the things that it takes to get to that level. I think, uh, you know, it's difficult otherwise because um, you can teach you can teach kids to play football in a certain way yep. so that they're successful. Um but to teach them the technical skills and the understanding of the game, you know, the awareness mm. within a game and the decision-making within a game, that football IQ, that's that's something yeah. different. And I think that's what people who've been at that level bring. Well, now having those people come back, it's probably a recipe to get the women's football to where the – getting it closer to where the men is maybe in 10 years' time, mm, mm. having those people. Because you look at the local men's football, you got players – that are former A-League players yep. in here. They played in England or UK, Scotland, like all different areas. Um, and they're playing now in this league. But that's over many, many years of those mm. men's playing at the elite level. It's a lot further yes. um, uh, than what the women's is. But now having these players who are retiring, they're in their 50s and 40s now, the women's game, they're coming back. So hopefully it's a recipe to see success. And now the Women's World mm. Cup as well, just having something like that oh, I think is just going to boost yeah. it. Lots, lots of boxes being ticked in, in a yeah. row there. And and you do need it to, to see, you know, substantial growth, mm. um, you know, in numbers but also in quality. Yeah. So. Well, it's good. Uh, it's been great chatting with you and understanding your roles. Um, like physios is a great uh, thing. I know a lot of people now that are physios that are involved in uh, in soccer and then also the football directoring, uh, directors in junior girls. Uh, what do you look towards doing in the future? Is it still – being involved in the in the junior setup or yeah i, I gotta say i love it um i think one of the things i really love about it is that um for, for my experience has been that girls at, at those kind of under nines 11 13s age groups really want to learn i yep. think it becomes challenging when you go to 15 17s um so you know if they haven't perhaps got into a full-time program at that point you know do they mm. understand that there's still a, another pathway yeah you know um and, uh, you know, for, for those girls, I often, and we've had the opportunity, obviously, of having mm. Jenna McCormick um, with us at uh, Fulham. So, you know, she didn't go through any of those full-time programs and she, yep. you know, made it to the highest level. And, I, you know, I still say that, you know, to the girls often. And, you know, obviously, we had Jenna around at Fulham for a number of years, which yeah. is great. Um, 
I think Jenna's Jenna's Matilda cap two oh five just to throw it <laughs> out there. So um but yeah, you know, those those um different pathways that are, are still there. Yeah. You know, and one that one of the, the things I've really enjoyed is is the number of girls, you know, particularly Adelaide Uni, um, you know, who went on to play at, you know, college, you mm. know, and got um you know, scholarships, et cetera, to play, you know, four years of, yeah. of football. So there are, there are more opportunities that, you know, for girls and I think that's that's really exciting. But for me, yeah, I, I think at this point, you know, Fulham's been great and mm. I think there's lots of still upsides and lots of positive things coming forward and with the Women's World Cup, um, you know, next year should be even better again, hopefully. Mm. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys can do and hopefully uh, it's looking positive at the, the, the place where the Fulham is at the moment. So hopefully it continues... Um for you guys and uh no it's been a pleasure talking to you mate but before i let you go i'm yep. not sure if you'll ever listen to the kicking a local but kicking the questions is how i end off all my yep. uh interviews so I've, i don't know don't know if you've had to think about it or not if uh if you had it would be easy but if not you can have a think about it now who would you love to kick it with on the park anyone in the world yeah anyone the, in the world if you had the opportunity oh, yeah I, I mean for me it would be maradona yeah i know he's passed away yeah um uh, had the opportunity to go to Argentina in 2018 for yep. the Copa Libertadores, um, River versus Boca. Yeah, <laughs> didn't nice. happen. Um, but the game didn't go ahead. Um, they ended up playing in Madrid. But um, so Jesus. I was over there for a week. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, one of the most amazing experiences of my life. But yeah, if I if I had anybody, it'd be Maradona for sure, 100. <laughs> percent So. So you just go there and then nothing there. I hope it doesn't happen to me when I go to Sydney. I've already booked my flights for the World oh, Cup final. No, I'm sure I think be okay. be f- I don't think I'll pull the plug on that. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. So. But um, well, no, uh, uh, well, that's a good one. Maradona is always a, a fun one. Um, so who would you love to kick it with on a Saturday night this time and just relax, watch some footy, have a few drinks or whatever you, you're into, a tea or yeah. um, coffee? Uh, I'll say, say my wife. Yeah. Um, you know, date night's Friday, but we can always make it Saturday. Nice. So. <laughs> Well, what about a so someone locally? So that'll be someone local. Who would you do internationally? Or you can you can choose whoever you want. But. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. In, internationally, I'd probably. Um, I think I'd go Messi. Messi. Yeah. yeah. I think he, he's uh yeah he's a family man, but yeah. um you know he's uh very generous. So yeah. You know, I think he'd be he'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think he would be and. Him and his, him and your wife get along as well. All three of you I, together. I, I think there'd be no problems. Yeah. My, my wife uh, is a massive soccer fan. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she would love it. And yeah, she's Barcelona girl. Oh, so nice. She she would be very excited. That'd be fantastic. Well, um, if I was in your shoes, I would love to. I would love to go and party on a Saturday night with the, the Port Adelaide boys back in two thousand and four, <laughs> just to see was, what that would be like. <laughs> <laughs> it was a crazy night. So <laughs> uh, I reckon it would have been crazy few nights, maybe not, maybe for some, yeah, for some. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was. Uh, it was a very special evening. <laughs> well, it's good to share those moments, and I'm a uh, pleasure to hear those moments as well, and uh, yep. your experiences uh, during Port Adelaide Football Club and. Fulham United and all the other areas you've uh, you've been involved in because it's been great to talk about that and thank you for sharing your story, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Really appreciate it, Johnny. That was Kevin Hollihan from the Fulham United Football Club. Make sure you subscribe to Kicking It Local wherever you get your podcast so you can get a taste of the SA football community. Plus, follow at Kicking It Local SA on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss any of the action. See you soon.